Hello and welcome to Rednet, the official podcast of Empire of the Cop. I'm joined by Farrell Keeling and Rick Elliott, and of course, my name is Steve Carson. International football is over, thank God, at least for a short while, and club football is back, and for Liverpool fans, it was back with a bang. Um, we got a 3-0 win at Ellen Road against Leeds United. It was a midfield masterclass by Fabinho and Thiago, ran the show against such an energetic midfield Um put out by Marcel Bielsa. Notably, Mohamed Salah scored his 100th Premier League goal, which was set up lovely by Joel Matip galloping up the pitch, playing a nice, neat pass to Trent, who obviously tucked it into Salah, who made no mistake from close range. But I think one statistic from the game that really sums it up is that Sadio Mane had 10 shots on goal, whereas Leeds United managed nine in the same 90-minute period. Everyone was sound, up and down the pitch. Maybe there's a question over whether Liverpool could have been a bit more clinical at Ellen Road. So first, I'm going to go to Rick and just get his thoughts on the game and maybe could it have been a higher scoreline for Liverpool? Um, it, well, I mean, it was a solid win for a start. I mean, like, you know, a 3-0 result isn't exactly, you know, something to to turn your nose up at. Um I mean, the last time we played them in the league at Elland Road, it was uh, it was 2004, and James Milner was on the score sheet that day. So that just tells you, like, you know, how far back you have to go. And it's like night and day changes have happened since then. It's like, you know, they were they were a completely different team to like, you know, what the the old sort of. Uh, there was a lot of hype going into this match of uh, the. It's going to be a difficult game. The crowd are going to be up for it. It's the first time that the, there's, they've had a crowd for a big match, uh, and we were made to to work for it. At the same, but at the same time, we we absolutely rolled them over. We should have been more clinical, but I think we'll sort of get to that uh, in a bit. But it's uh, yeah, they, they they would be pressing quite a lot, um, pushing up the field, and then all of a sudden the, we'd get them on the counter and. The lads would, uh, you know, be it'd be basically four on one at times, and yeah, it's just so sort of like from one end to the other. Uh, but at the same time, it never really looked as though uh, they were they were really in control of the match. I think we absolutely just dominated from start to finish. Um, you know, the the Harvey Elliott incident uh, again. I think we'll probably get onto that a little bit later, but uh, th- that really sort of s- slowed the game down let the crowd get into it but i mean the, the like i said the crowd were very boisterous and you know we kind of needed to treat it like a european game which is perfect because we've got that's that's what we've got next yeah absolutely and like you say when when what happened to elliot happened it, it did sort of take a bit of the momentum out of the game to be honest with you watching as a spectator I wasn't really too interested. I had happily had the game finish at the scoreline. It was, and just after, I didn't really care about the last half hour. I was more concerned about what Elliot was going through. But yeah, he, he was part of that midfield performance where Liverpool just dominated a very energetic Leeds midfield. And um, Farrell, I just uh, I want to get your thoughts on the game first and foremost, and maybe specifically about uh, Elliot's midfield partners for much of the game, uh, Thiago and Fabinho. Yeah, no. But... A lot happening in that game. I think, barring that incident with that horrible incident with Harley Elliott, you know, a pretty good game of football, you'd have to say. Um, in terms of 
Fabinho Thiago's midfield performance, I'm actually glad you brought that up because uh, it, it's a partnership we got to see for a few times last season. I think it was roughly eight or, or nine games um, and it proved to be a highly effective one at that last season. We've already seen glimpses of it this term, particularly um, in the 3 0 win over Leeds. Um, what's interesting is if you look at sort of statistically um, and actually actually look at sort of when they've both started games together. So this is excluding when Fabinho's played as a centre-back last season or when they've just happened to come onto the game at later points during the tie. And they've actually started the games together. I think it's, yeah, so it was nine games last season alone that they both started um, the game together in midfield. Only nine games. They won, I think we won eight of those games together and there was a draw in that. Uh, since that point, they've obviously played together at Leeds against Leeds United. Another another win, a 3-0 win, a strong 3-0 win, you'd say, barring the missed chances. It's just really interesting, especially when you sort of compare against sort of the general win rate last season, which is roughly around sort of 50%. Now, um, so if you actually compare statistically our win rate with them both starting in the field together, it's close to about sort of 90%. Now, obviously, that's a huge figure, and it's not necessarily going to translate across an entire season. But you'd have to say, if you're looking at sort of Klopp's strongest midfield three being a combination of um, Thiago, Fabinho and potentially Henderson, um, you'd be pretty confident about Liverpool going forward for the rest of the campaign with that combination. Obviously, rightly so, there will be discussions about rotation, uh, particularly in light of you know, last season, nobody wants to see the level of injury crisis there. But it's very, very promising figures. Um, just a, on a purely surface level statistics, in terms of going ahead for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so many interesting numbers there. I've got to say, I, I didn't realise it had been so many, so few games that they played together in midfield. You do kind of forget because Fabinho did play, like you say, as a centre-half with Van Dijk Gomez and Matik injured uh, last season. Um, and before we move on to the recent injury that we all know about, we're going to touch on a positive from the game, and that is uh, Mohamed Salah's 100th Premier League goal. He'll certainly be helping with the uh, shout for maybe a title this season. Um, yeah, he's got 100 Premier League goals. It has taken him 162 games. Um, and just for the sake of comparison, uh, these are the kind of uh, figures that we're talking about here. In terms of speed, um, Ari, it took him 160 games, which is two fewer than, um, than Salah. Um, he's a bit more of a... Uh, versatile forward though in his playing days he played on the wing sometimes played up front but if you look at the more out and out strikers the top three um, quickest is 147 games is how long it took Sergio Aguero to hit that number Harry Kane 141 and Alan Shearer astonish astonishingly 124 um, so just going to get it from both of you here uh, in regards to Mohamed Salah and his goal scoring exploits in the Premier League um, where does that I'm going to go to you first, Rick. Where does that put Mohamed Salah in the standings of the greatest Premier League players? Um, certainly, we're talking about forward players here, but where does it put him in there, in that bracket of like the greatest forward players the Premier League's seen? Oh, it's without a shadow of a doubt, he's one of the best. Um, I say that with a bit of a caveat. Of, and I, I might get a little bit of flack for this, but he's not the best... Uh, Liverpool player that the Premier League has ever seen, the, uh, at least in terms of forwards. I, I still regard Suarez as the better player. Um, but then it's it's like comparing a Lamborghini to a Ferrari. It's like you wouldn't turn either of them down if you were given the opportunity to have one of them. Um, but like it's just the, the 
some of in that 13 14 season some of the things that suarez was pulling off were just alien you you just like you you're there every match like how how does this how does this guy do it um and Salah doesn't really have that in his locker for the most part. He has pulled off some wonderful plays, some wonderful goals that you, that will stick in the memory. But like you know, I, I it's, so on one half, he's he's in terms of longevity, number of goals he scored. You know, he he's he's up there. He's easily like you know top five. But in terms of at the same time, I, but I I wouldn't put Suarez in that top five because because he hasn't got that longevity but you you see what i mean like it's 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 one of those like either way um but yeah in terms of like you know Henri, um you know shearer like he's he's they, he should be in the conversation i don't think he gets enough respect i don't think he gets enough credit uh, i was chatting to uh the uh, my personal trainer uh, at the gym uh he's a sheffield united fan and uh, he said to me today that uh, Salah comes across as, as arrogant. He just doesn't doesn't like him at all. And I just don't I don't see how anyone can really say. I mean, that's that's fair for me to say because I am exposed to all of the sort of LFC media stuff. You get to see his personality shine a little bit. He's always happy. He's always cheery. He's always like, yeah, that might be a camera personality, but for the most part, he is a a fairly you know decent bloke i mean obviously doesn't drink but he's one of those kind of people that you'd want to go down to the pub with and have a drink and have a chat with obviously like i say that wouldn't happen but you know uh yeah he's just he, he I, I don't know whether there's a an element of um you know you don't want to call people out and say you know if you don't like Suarez, uh, don't like uh salad then you're a racist but you know, there there might be some like slight undertones in in the conversation that you can't really sort of take out. But at the same time, it's just yeah, it's one of those things where it's like he just doesn't get the res- the, the respect and credit that he fully deserves when he's pulling in numbers like that. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, yeah, I think I think Salah is one of them. Like you say, we're exposed as Liverpool fans to all the LFC media. Like, not everybody will have seen at the end of the game yesterday. Salah went over to a young Liverpool fan in the stands and gave him a shirt. It was nice. You know, Which, he does these sorts of nice things. That shirt is going to be worth so much money on the black market. You know, like, like that kid's, like, whole university might be paid off, like, if he goes to uni. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like... And he's just given it away. He didn't really have to do that. He could have put saved that for his personal collection. You know, it's, it's, it's nice. He's, he's just wholesome. Yeah, I agree. And I'm on the university tuition. I think I seen the. I assume it was his father standing behind him. I think I he was celebrating more than the kid himself. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it's, it's, that's why that's why there's in Salah discussion. It's like Liverpool's own localized version of Messi versus Ronaldo. Mm. Ronaldo is capable of the spectacular, whereas Messi is a bit more of the technical dribbling type player who just consistently gets goals and assists. Mm. So I'm just going to go to you then, um, Phil. Uh, maybe a little bit on that Suarez versus Salah. Maybe throw in Torres in there as well if he stands a chance against those two. But um, you know, where does uh, where does Salah rank in that sort of category of those three players? You know, is he better than those three, or, or is Suarez a bit more of the, as Rick said, an alien? Uh, I'm glad you brought up Suarez because um, it's it, it, it's. 
the thing the thing is with Salah, you've both rightly touched on this, is that he's massively, massively underrated in every aspect of his game. Even even when it comes to, and I think Rick, Rick obviously alluded to this in sort of pundit discussions around uh, sort of accusations of diving and the, the whole comparisons. If you, if you look at sort of how Kane's treated, it's sort of clever play, and when Salah does it, it's oh, cheating, diving, all this sort of nonsense. Um, but going into actual comparisons with the, the greats that on discussion, Shira, Kane, Aguero, Henri, you'd absolutely have to consider him in that discussion. I mean, we're not talking... The thing is, is if, we, if we were talking about a genuine out-and-out striker, um, you, you'd think that's a pretty impressive goal record. But we're talking about more of a, a, a wide man, you know, someone supporting. No, number, the numbers he has hit in that, in that position are absolutely phenomenal. You know, he's four, I think, four off Didier Drogba in terms of the um, record of African players in the, in the Premier League. Mm. Um, phenomenal numbers for a player in his position. Phenomenal numbers. Um, absolutely should be considered in that conversation. Um, in terms of Suarez, again, I'd, I'd agree that it, it, it's difficult because obviously we're comparing very different teams. We're obviously looking sort of at the 13-14 the team that still had... Uh, you know, Gerard in it. <laughs> um, but in terms of what Suarez was capable of doing on his day, you know, sort of turning turning games on the head almost single-handedly. You know, we, we've seen absolutely wondrous moments from Salah over the years. But I suppose there would be that that question of if you put Salah into that 13-14 team and took out Suarez, would he have single-handedly almost led a title charge under Brendan Rodgers? Um, I'm not so sure. I think he would have drastically improved that team. Um, that's obviously without Suarez in it, um, but then, but then I, do, I do think that that Salah is more of a better fit for a Klopp system potentially than Suarez would be, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, when when they uh, the the transfer rumours over the last over the summer, um, like there was there was a few rumblings about like oh maybe we should get Suarez back. I don't think that that would have necessarily have, have worked uh, under in a Klopp system, especially at the play that he is now. He's slowly sort of like getting on a little bit and, you know, he's not, he's not, I mean, he can, he can still score goals uh, for fun, but it's, it's not in the same way that we all fell in love with. It's very sort of Ronaldo-esque going back to United um, in that kind of like, you know, vein. Um, I mean, I have no doubt that Ronaldo is going to score loads of goals for, for United this season. But you know they're not going to be in the same way that he, he was scoring back when he was you know very young and and still sort of a, a, a rough diamond, diamond in the rough. You'd think, wouldn't it? It'd be a signing that would potentially hold us back, and in the same way that Ronaldo will potentially hold United back. You know, yeah, absolutely, we'll score probably a ton of goals. But if you're looking at sort of their overall sort of system and shape, I mean, I've, you're not really. Yeah, I mean, and you're, you're not really it, thinking long term, are you? No, yeah, yeah, and you're hindering development of like Greenwood or whatever. Like a, a Suarez would sort of bringing in a Suarez would would affect you know how much we would be using uh, Jota, for example, and you know, or, or Firmino. Firmino <sighs> might get sort of like pushed out of the of the fold even more than he kind of already is, unfortunately. 
but you know, well, oh, yeah. I just don't want, I don't want to turn this into a Manchester United chat because there was way too much Manchester United chat going on at the moment, and I am fed up of it. So, yeah, now we, we might as well join the crew and just start talking about Ronaldo whenever we get the chance to at this point, really. <laughs> but um, no, it's it, it is an interesting discussion because yeah, that, that Ronaldo signing. Although very romantic for United, probably not the player they needed. They probably needed holding midfielder, but obviously chance to come up to San Ronaldo, you take it. But yeah, it is sort of maybe a sideways step if we were to bring in someone like Suarez back, as there was talk of that over the summer, at least among fans. But to sort of get back to Mohamed Salah, just just quickly from both of you, um, do you have a favourite goal? Uh, I'll go to you first, Farrell. Favourite goal from Mohamed Salah? Oh, um Liverpool goal. This is, yeah. I think there, there are some there's some obvious ones that I was tempted to go for, but I'm going to go for one one he went with uh, last season, which was in the 3-1 win against West Ham. Um, Jordan Shakiri plays a lofted ball into the box, controls it in one, taps it in the end. I just, you know, not not particularly spectacular in the obvious sense, but I just thought just just absolutely encapsulated just how superb he is. But um, yeah, that would be my choice. That's an excellent choice. What about you, Ruh? Um, I think mine's got to be uh, the goal that he scored against United in the in the like nineteen twenty uh, season uh, when we went on to win the league. It was it, it was the moment when I think most of us sort of thought, "Hang on a minute, you know this is you know not not like one of those videos where like the the cyclist or the the sprinters sort of like already cheering before they've gone over the line." But it was that moment where we all thought, "Like we've done this here. Like this, this is in the bag." Um, and it's just the, the way that he like pretty much sprints down half the pitch. You know, he's got Daniel James just like sort of like he keeps pressing and he keeps him at bay. It's like kind of like, who the fuck are you? You're just like a little, <laughs> you're a little kid. Leave me alone. And he just slots it past De Hay. And then just to top it off, just to make me feel even more inadequate, he takes off his shirt. He's got his washboard abs. And then Allison of all, of all people is suddenly like the first to celebrate with him, which is just, it just encapsulated the whole sort of like, We've done this, lads. We've like we've actually we've we've pulled off the impossible. We've won the Premier League, even though we hadn't at that point. And then then there was like lockdown and all the all the other madness. But you know, it, it was just that sort of like to I'd, I'd kill to to relive that moment over and over again. Yeah, it was an unbelievable feeling of elation when that goal went in, and the whole scenes afterwards. It, it's it's one of them goals that you're celebrating it for a few minutes. It's not one of them where you celebrate it for a few seconds. You're still celebrating a few weeks. ten minutes down on that. Yeah, when my <laughs> body was yeah. still feeling it a few weeks later. I think I calmed down by the time Allison scored his header. <laughs> but, What's um, yours? Yeah, I, I, oof, it, it might be that one now. Um, no, um, it probably was that one anyway, to be honest with you. But I'm going to say a different one, um, and I'm going to keep it just at the Premier League because if it was including the Champions League, it's probably that goal against Man City where he stood in front of the fans and put his arms out and blue flares were going off and it was nuts. But I'm going to say the thunder, the thunder shot against um, Chelsea. It just felt it felt right. It was poetic. He scored a world class goal against his former side where. You know, it didn't go to plan, but it felt like he was pushed aside and sent off to Italy because, you know, he wasn't doing too well. Came back to Liverpool, became the player that he is now, one of the world's best, and scored one of the best goals I've seen against Chelsea. And it was just, it was just beautiful. Absolutely delirious, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Has that happened? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and that's the kind of thing that he does. It's We just said there that he, he sort of, uh, Suarez was more of a, 
player that's capable of the spectacular, but we're now discussing about all these spectacular moments. Uh, Salah, so maybe maybe he can redeem himself in that regard over the next few years. Not that he needs to, of course. He already is a living Liverpool legend. Now, with the Leeds game, there was a lot of positives, but there is one massive negative that we can't ignore, and it was um, Harvey Elliott. Um, not too long into the second half, uh, he was running out of his own half and he was uh, struck down by uh, Pascal Strijic. I may have pronounced his name wrong, but you know he is the Leeds United defender. Um, the club have confirmed that he suffered a dislocated ankle. Um, he went to hospital, he was discharged from hospital, and now he will undergo surgery and there will be more updates on his condition as time goes on. Obviously, it's horrific, and all of our thoughts go to Harvey through this difficult time, especially for such a young player, such a young, talented player who was getting a lot of faith put into him by Jurgen Klopp, such, again, such a young age. It's, it's Every time we talk about Harvey, it's it's almost easy to forget how young he is. He's, he's effectively still a child. Um, Obviously, he's not. He's 18. He's, he's a young man, but he, he feels like he's a child sometimes. And... It's just horrible to see, and basically, I, I, there's no real question for you here, lads. I'm just wanting to put it to you, just give you uh, the floor, so to speak, to sort of talk about Elliot, his standing in the squad going forward, and just your general reaction to that uh, to that awful injury. First, I'll go to you, Vic. I mean, I'm in mourning. Like it's it's like that's how uh, how much it kind of hit me in the in the stomach. It was just, you know, I, I, Harvey Elliot to me, and I. I it, it definitely helps that like we share a last name. I'm, I'm still sort of trying to get uh, uh, the, the 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 family tree out just to make sure that you know there's a, there's a slight possibility that I might be able to get free tickets. Um, but no, like Harvey is. I can see why people become one uh, one player fans. You know, like I am a I am a Ronaldo fan. I am a Messi fan. Like if it. If it if Liverpool hadn't been you know my first love, then you know I can easily see uh, like a player like Elliot just sort of taking me and just sort of like I'll just just run with it because he's he's just got that much raw quality of that raw potential and you know just to see him just sort of be like having just broken into the team. I I made the tweet before the match saying like look it's he's he's just casually made himself undroppable. And then the instant I say that he's out, he's injured, and that's you know it could be out for the season, could be out. You know, I, I I guess that he's probably out. I mean, I'm no medical expert, and I'm just pulling figures out my ass, but it it could be out until January. I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's like half a season just gone. Um, I I don't think based on what's Klopp said about like you know they popped it back in, and yeah, he might need a bit of surgery, and that will take time to heal, and then you know it needs to sort of get back into match fitness. Um, but I don't think it's as serious as everyone sort of thought it was when when Salah just like you know Salah looked like he'd just seen a ghost the way that he reacted and then just sort of like you know put his shirt in it over his face. Um, yeah, I, it's just you know I I, I I I worry that he might not come back as the same player that he he, he was. Yeah, you know he's still got time uh, on his side. He's still like you say he's only eighteen. Um, but the, the, just to sort of like as a, uh, as an aside, um, the the Leeds fans. I mean, yes, you know it, it, it's not everyone. There are some good Leeds fans, but 
my god the some of the the chants that you know are being reported that they were singing it's just i mean the lad's 18 you know yeah he's no angel like you know he's 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 done some things in the past that you know some scummy behavior some uh, you know things that you know i don't approve of um but we've all said and done stupid stuff at, at 18 or younger i mean some of the th- i mean looking back at some of the things i've said in the past that you know i would cringe on now uh you know so you know he's still got time to learn and grow as as a as a human being as a as a player and you know to to use that as an excuse to sort of go he's scum therefore you know don't want he's got a dodgy haircut and a shit beard you know like you know just you know as as if these are valid excuses for uh, for saying that you'll never walk again it's like get over yourself um you know he's he's got the potential to be one of the best players in the England squad in a couple of years time, you know, it, it could be that a world cup depends on, you know, the likes of Elliot Foden, all these like young up and coming players. And let's face it, the lads from like from Leeds are more likely to be cheering on England squad than the, you know, from people from, uh, from Liverpool. But, you know, it's like you're, you're actively celebrating his development being stunted here um and that could you know become egg in your face if you're an england fan several years down the line you just you know it's 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 a hard one to take for me personally but like you know just as a as a fan of 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 the club and seeing how far he's he's already progressed as a fan of the player is yeah it's it's a difficult 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 one to take yeah, no, it's it's horrific, especially. I don't, it feels even worse. I don't. It, not that it would feel better if it was an older player, but just because a player you're rooting for him, he's so young, and to see him struck down in such a way, it is heartbreaking. Um, yeah, you touched upon some of the chance there. There was some unfortunate chance, which if anyone interested, you can go on to James Pierce. You know who James Pierce is, I'm sure. Works for The Athletic. If you go onto his Twitter feed and scroll back uh, to the time of the game, you'll be able to see what chance we're talking about. Um, but Harvey Elliott did put out a short statement on Instagram earlier today in which he actually thanked um, the Leeds fans for their support when he went off the pitch. So... You know, he's, he's, he's looking at the bright side. Yeah. We know what we heard and stuff, but hopefully he's focusing on the positives there. Just thought that was worth highlighting for anyone that's listening. And gets yeah. a bit I'm not, I don't want to say that like they're all, you know, like everyone in that crowd was saying those things. Like it's, it's, it's a few rotten eggs in a, in a uh, crowd that, you know, but I mean, there, there were, there's plenty of people standing up and applauding him as he was being stretched off. You know, there's, a, a good like you know maybe 50 percent. i don't know I, I wasn't i wasn't there at the ground to see what this you know this the statistic the statistics and the uh percentages but you know a few bad apples have just sort of ruined it for for everyone for the to the credit of everyone yeah that's it well it was certainly enough to me to hear it was enough for me to hear it through the tv so i, I know what, what you're talking about there uh, we've had it ourselves, uh, some unfortunate chance. It's uh, every fan base has got them, unfortunately. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's hopefully one day we'll see that kind of stuff get stamped out of the game because it's got no place in the game, uh, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, final same to you, really. Just want to offer you the floor just to sort of quickly discuss uh, Harvey Elliott is standing in the squad, what the injury means and going forward, you know, how is he going to get on? Yeah, no, I think, like you said earlier, Steve, I think when 
the injury happened, you almost sort of not as so much didn't care about the game, but you sort of just lost interest. I've just found myself sort of like, you know, look, look, looking for updates, sort of seeing, you know, how's Harvey doing, you know, how, how serious is the injury sort of thing. You know, great to get the win, but, you know, it's a huge, huge loss for the club. Who's, who's lost just personally, just for the player, just who he is. You know, it, it's having gone from being perceived as a potential fringe player to being a, a bolt-on, you know, starter almost, as Rick pointed out. Uh, it's remarkable. It's almost fairy tale esque uh, for his age, you know, and to have have that blow, you know, at any, po- any point in the season, but particularly, obviously, at this early stage, having earned his place in the side is, is, is devastating. Um, thankfully, um, silver lining, it's, it's an injury that is potentially you know, still very serious, but less serious than many of us had feared. Um, and dislocated ankle, I think, with general consensus is probably looking between sort of three to four months um, recovery, uh, which is it's, it, well, it's, it's a small small positive to take from such a horrible incident. Um, and yeah, as you've rightly highlighted, some of the some of the chants have been despicable, but the vast majority um, of Leeds fans were definitely. Um, Definitely more, uh, more supportive, and we should we should take um, take pride in, in the behaviour of the majority. But certainly, as we have sort of criticised that minority of fans that every we know every fan base has, and uh, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, we can eradicate that completely one day. Yeah, and um, yeah, just just to repeat there, we, we wish uh, Elliot all the well, all, all the best in his recovery, and hopefully, we'll see him back. Um, in action at least at the AXA centre sooner rather than later. I know we'll all celebrate when we see him picking up all for the first time once this uh, bump in his uh, in his in his early career is over. He's still very much on the way to uh, to greatness. Um but we have to look forward a little bit. Um now the transfer window is closed. It has been for a short while now, and we're probably all breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief because there's not a, con- a constant bombardment of transfer rumours hitting our newsfeed every single day. I know I'm certainly feeling a lot better about it because I'm the one that's writing about it after them. But two midfielders stand out, and there's been a lot of talk about two in particular. One is Jude Bellingham, uh, needs no introduction, but also your Dortmund starlet. And then you've got uh, Frank Cassier, who plays for AC Milan. These two players have been linked. Uh, it's the times that say Liverpool are interested in Bellingham. There's not much more in terms of details on that, but it comes from Paul Joyce, which anyone paying attention knows that if Paul Joyce says something, it's, it is worth listening to. Um, Cassier is a bit more of an interesting one, uh, a bit more depth in this. It comes from uh, Italian outlet Gazzetta dello Sport. They say that Liverpool are interested and go as far as to say Jürgen Klopp is looking at Kessier as a potential uh, rotation option for Liverpool, uh, namely Fabinho, because that's the sort of role that he play uh, for, for, let's say, for Liverpool. But that's the role he kind of plays right now at AC Milan. Um, the Gazetta report goes on to say that he has rejected a new contract, and as it stands in January, because he'll just have six months left on his deal in January, he will be able to speak to other clubs and potentially agree uh, to a Bosman transfer that summer um that is next summer coming up um for me personally um if the Kessier stuff is true he could potentially be a perfect uh, target for fsg and um, fsg are quite thrifty we've seen this over the years uh, they don't exactly blow the budget if they don't uh, recoup the money beforehand themselves 
Um, so it, it could be ideal uh, to bring in someone like Kessier, someone who's available on that kind of, you know, it's it's how we lost Wijnaldum ourselves. Uh, so it would be nice to see us get another talented midfielder in. I think Kessier is on that cusp as well. He's he's a very good footballer, but in the Jurgen club, he could become world class. So I'm just going to first go to you, Farrell. The Bellingham and the Kessier stuff, you know, do Liverpool need to make a move as soon as January or potentially could we wait until summer to make this or do we even need a new midfielder? Um, well, ideally, I think the Kessier stuff is particularly interesting. I think the possibility of getting uh, a midfielder for free, as you know, as you rightly pointed out, was the case when we lost one Alden is very enticing. Um, I don't think we'd managed to bring him in during January, but a pre-contract agreement that during that point would certainly be very feasible um, and would fill a gap. In, in the midfield that we all suspected needed to be filled at the start of the season. So I, su- I still think we'd be a little bit slim in midfield, but barring any major injuries, you know, fingers crossed to get to the end of the, end of the, the season okay. Um, as, as for Bellingham, obviously it's a very different sort of situation because his contract expires in 2025. Um, and if you're looking at sort of the expectation being that Haaland could potentially go in, in, the, in the summer, you know, what, what's, what's the likelihood of of uh, Dortmund's executives allowing two extremely gifted prospects to go in, in one transfer window, that'd be my main concern, or at least letting them go on the, on the cheap. We, we certainly wouldn't expect to get a talent um, of Bellingham's qualities on the cheap. That's not going to happen. Having said that, uh, it all depends on how you view how Liverpool are going to approach the window, because the suspicion has been that next summer is the big one. Um whether that means we're going to receive a lot of sudden investment or whether that's going to be dependent on a player being sold for money, I, you know, we'll have to wait and see on that front. Um, but I think, yeah, I think we went, I think ideally we could do with bringing a midfielder in January. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, the, the, the talk of the big one, we've, we've definitely heard that a few times uh, come from sources close to the club, uh, that this summer's going to be the big one. And I, that's all we can really hope for as fans is that it, it is actually going to happen this time, but only time will tell. Um, yeah, Kessier, Bellingham, they're going to be two players. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be more targets, um, even if these players are accurate. It seems Bellingham is, you know, the times we can trust we know that they're accurate. Paul Joyce is uh, very experienced. He's got good links. Uh, the Gazetta, not not so sure. Could be something on their end, just kind of fluffing something up for Kessier, considering he might be on the move soon. Um, but in both instances, we are not going to be able to run at them uncontested. There was a report in Germany. I forget the name of the outlet, but there was a report in Germany um, that stated that it's basically going to be Liverpool versus Man City for Bellingham. Uh, Pep Guardiola fancies Bellingham coming in and essentially inheriting for the, um, Fernandinho's spot in the team as he could be uh, finishing up at the end of the season. So just basically to go over the same kind of points with you, Rick, um, Bellingham and Kessier, do you want either of them? Um, okay, so uh, just, just to wind back a little bit, um, talk of the big summer mm. every time I hear it. like It's just like, it's not happening. Let's Let's face it. Like the 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 other day at the Leeds match, the the crowd were chanting, "The Reds have got no money, but we'll still win the league." And that's, <laughs> you know, that that is something that, like, you know, I'm I was absolutely, but I I could completely get behind that as a as a chant if we we need to get that going at more matches. Um, but yeah, the uh, yeah Be- Bellingham to me is, um, I mean, he's such a 
gifted player. Um, you know, there's there was questions when Birmingham sort of took, like res- retired his shirt number. Uh, everyone was like, "What are you doing that for? He's just a kid." But like the longer that he goes on, it's like, oh, maybe they maybe they were onto something. You know, uh, it's something for for the academy to aspire to. If he's like going off and going off to, to Germany and doing all these uh, great things. And it's, you know, the, there's this little sentimental part of me that thinks, you know, a Scouse crowd singing Hey Jude uh, with with Bellingham on the pitch is just, you know, it's just written in the stars. That being said, if uh, if City are there uh, and they're putting an offer on the table, I don't see it going any other way. I think he, he's, he'd, he'd be City bound. Uh, no matter... How much? I mean, I, I can't remember who it was. It, uh, it, well, it was, I think it was Henderson that was uh, getting very chummy with him over the Euros. Um, but I think he's also got ties to like saying, I might be wrong on this, but I think he said Gerard was was his favorite player. Um, you know, so the, there's a few sort of like things that could sway in Liverpool's favor. But you know, I just don't see us making a move for Bellingham because it's just going to cost us too much. And as Farrell rightly said, Haaland going. And Bellingham going is just not feasible for Dortmund to let happen because the whole team would literally just collapse pretty much if that were to happen. Kessier, I don't know an awful lot about him. I'll, I'll put my hands up and a bit that. Uh, but you know, if the Italian media were saying that uh, it's going to be blue skies, not a cloud in the sky, I'd bring the washing in. Uh, I just don't trust what they say at all. On paper, it makes a lot of sense bringing him in. Um, on a free sounds very FSG, very Liverpool. Um, that being said, uh, if if he if we uh, if we allow him to then go off and uh, you know uh, uh, be a free agent in the summer for us to then sign, there'll be a lot of competition uh, for a player of his you know quality. And I I wouldn't be. I mean, Farrell said that like he he couldn't see us bringing in a, a, a bringing him in in January, but like I wouldn't put it past uh, put it past Liverpool to to make a cheeky sort of bid of like, look, you could let him go on a free, or we can give you a couple million now, and that'll just sort of you know allow you to sort of get something for him. Otherwise, he's walking out the door for nothing, and then that would allow us to sort of have a get him in either give him the clock treatment like he did with Fabinho with uh with Robertson of like giving him that bedded in time so he can hit the ground running from the start of the next season or you know if if Elliot's recovery time is a little bit too long maybe we might have touch wood we don't have this happen but like you know if there's any more injury issues in midfield it would then allow us to bolster it up a little bit so you know it's uh it's one of those where I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't know an awful lot about the player, but like the fact that he's um, highly rated, he's, he's he's rejected contract offers. It's just you know, uh, it, a free transfer makes a lot of sense. But again, I won't put it past us to to put in a cheeky bid in January. Yeah, I mean, it, does, it like you say, it, it does sound very FSG, it does sound very Liverpool, uh, certainly to make a move in January and say, listen, is a few mil or lose them in, in the summer. I think I think that's right. I've just been fact checking myself there as well, and it actually wasn't a report in Germany. Um, there was a, ger- a German journalist, uh, Patrick Berger, who came out and said that um, Liverpool are um, looking at Bellingham, which coincides with what the Times have said. 
but it's actually the Daily Star that made the claim that Pep Guardiola has earmarked Bellingham to replace Fernandinho. So in regards to, you know, that, it comes from the star. It's it's not quite as, you know, it's not build. You know I, mean, I mean, like, just just the phrasing of they're looking at. Mm. It, it it just, it, it speaks to me as journalists writing it in a way that it's like they could easily pass it off as, yeah, he's on a scouting list. Um, but so is pretty much every major midfielder or like striker or whatever, like every major player in Europe will be on a scouting list for us and Chelsea and Man United and Man City. There are no secrets in football these days. Um, like it just, it just seems like, uh, the, the way that that's phrased, it's very Mbappe-esque. In terms of like, let's get a big name, let's get some hype, let's get some clicks. And I'm not saying that it, that that is a uh, a story generated to to create clicks, but you know, it, it's uh, there's just something that just doesn't seem very legitimate to me personally. Like the, the amount of money that it would cost to bring him in, the fact that like we've heard this big summer's coming for about five summers now. Like it's just it, it, unless we sell a player. The big summer never arrives. Yeah, now like you say, with the uh, with the terms of like oh Liverpool have shortlisted this player and that player. Yeah, I'm sure Liverpool are you know interested in the likes of Mbappe and Haaland. It doesn't exactly mean they're going to be signing tomorrow. So I get I get what you're saying there and sort of. Because while the Times do come out and say that Liverpool are interested, that does, does seem a lot more solid, especially coming from Paul Joyce. Um, Certainly a lot more solid than reports in Italy, uh, with all due respect to Gazzetta dello Sport, who obviously have linked Kessier with Liverpool. And Frank Kessier currently plays for AC Milan, which is a very nice segue into our upcoming fixture in the Champions League as Liverpool take on the Serie A outfit at Anfield, which actually will be the Rossoneri's first ever competitive appearance at Anfield, which is crazy to me considering how old both clubs are and how long they've been around. Um, but going into the game, Liverpool are in a very good run of form. We have won three of our last four games. Obviously, the draw against Chelsea stands out as the non-win. Um, but Milan also go into um, the fixture with a good run of form themselves. They've played three games in Serie A so far this season. They have beat Sampdoria 1-0 away from home. They beat Cagliari 4-1 at, San, at the San Siro. Uh, and over the weekend, they beat uh, Lucas Leiva's Lazio 2-0, uh, again, at home, as I say. Um, now, obviously, those teams are probably Lazio competitive, but Cagliari and Sampdoria, you know, you compare them to Chelsea and Leeds, and, you know, you think uh, Liverpool have had tougher fixtures recently. But you can't discredit Milan and how well they're playing at the minute, because in those games, that is 270 minutes, and they've actually conceded uh, just one goal, and that was to Cagliari. Uh, they kept two clean sheets so far this season, which is mighty impressive. But anyone who watches Italian football can tell you that um, Milan's reliability can really not be... You can't hang your hat on Milan. They can drop a form. But, you know, they will be looking to turn heads. Uh, they're in the Champions League. They are definitely not the favourites in the group. And they come up against uh, Liverpool, Atletico Madrid and Porto. It's a big challenge for them. Um but yeah, I mean, they'll be up for the battle. They're going to want to really push us. Uh, they're going to want to turn heads. The likes of Ibrahimovic um, is going to be really looking to, to do a number on Liverpool. So 
you know, lads, I'm going to go to you both for your starting 11 and predictions. I think some of the key things to consider is uh, Robertson, Simicas, you know, who starts. Um, defensively, Matty, you know, uh, does he need a break now? He's, he's class, but made of glass. You know, do we need to play Gomez or do we hand Canate maybe his, his full Anfield debut? Um, Firmino, Jota, Firmino, is he going to get enough time training? And then, of course, you've got the, the midfield spot. So, Rick, I'll go to you first. You're starting 11 from Alisson to Salah, because I think those two are nailed on. Who are you going to start? And then what's your scoreline? I mean, I, to be honest, I mean, we could get all romantic and go like, you know, it's it's Smeekass, Robertson, like, you know, all these different variables. But let's face it, Klopp's just going to keep the same 11. Like, obviously, you can't keep the same 11 because of the Elliott situation. Um but I'd I'd throw in I keep the same starting eleven as uh, as the Leeds game, and then throw Henderson into the midfield, um, which might clash a bit with Thiago, but I think with a uh, for a fixture like this, you know you need a bit of quality um, from the latter and a bit of leadership from the former. I, I I think pretty much keep it exactly the same. Yes, Matip is a bit of a sort of you know are we risking him a little bit too much but I think this is like the last sort of match that you'd want to sort of keep him in for he's been doing quite well I mean listen the Leeds match he uh, again put in another great solid performance I don't see any issue with just keeping him around for one last game uh, and then consider bringing in Gomez or Canate I, I think throwing Canate in for a, for an Anfield debut in the Champions League is a little bit of a step too far. Um, but yeah, just just keep it to what you know. Um, you know, I think one of the, 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 the difficulties in this game is shutting out Zlatan and uh, Giroud. Uh, you know, Zlatan is like, he's still quality and he's 39 years old, but he's still, you know, he's this ever-present um, force that just sort of still can 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 do wonders and uh you know he's a bit of a wind-up merchant i mean we saw that with the in the lazio game he uh, had a bit of a scuffle with lucas Leva, which uh which led to a massive sort of kerfuffle at the very end of the match um but yeah you just need someone like, you just need to keep calm don't get too rash because players like that will try and sort of cause hot heads that when when you when you lose your head, that's it. Well, that's when the cards come out, and that'll screw you over later on uh, in the tournament. So, I mean, yeah, I think just someone like Henderson bringing in Henderson to just sort of lead, have a bit of leadership from the get go, try and keep calm heads, really. And that's uh, you know not that I would expect us to to walk out with like you know eleven yellow cards, um, but you know what I mean. It's it's uh, yeah, I think just just steady you know let it let the match happen you know it's at Anfield you know it's it's not going to be like a hostile environment like we had against the against Leeds at the weekend so yeah just more of the same really please and what's your score there I'd say 1-0 and Jota oh I'll definitely you know I'll, I'll take that right now because uh Milana feeling feisty this, this season I can feel it um yeah, no, that's definitely an interesting uh, to mention. Uh, even Emirates and Giroud, who are um, definitely two big dangers for AC Milan, uh, certainly this weekend. But uh, Jurgen Klopp will know all about it. I'm sure Joel Matip, Van Dijk, Gomez, the lot have been uh, 
doing their history to make, you know, doing their research, I should say, on uh, these players to make sure they can sort it out. Like you say, Ibra will probably go for the head games. He'll probably call Liverpool a small club before the game somehow. Uh, he'll come out and say it. He'll say he's got a bigger legacy than Liverpool or something. He's a bit of a balloon, to be honest. Um, but yeah, that's that's the way he is. He's always been that way. Um, yeah, Farrell, starting eleven. Who's your fancy? Is there any changes that you'd make, or is it is it as Rick said? Is it just put Henderson in and go again? No, I'd completely agree with Rick. I think he, I think Klopp will just whack in Henderson. I mean, it's a perfect stage to introduce that sort of concept of our strongest starting midfield. Uh, against Milan, um, I'll be very curious myself to see uh, how it will hold up against uh, Stefano Pioli's men. Um, yeah, just the one change. I reckon he'll keep Robbo. Uh, no further changes really. Um, in terms of, yeah, it, it should be an interesting game. I think we shouldn't go into this um, expecting to roll them over. I think they'll be a, a bit more challenging than some may perhaps give them credit for. Um, yeah, Pioli's done a very good job with them. Like you know, three wins and three strong starts. I think they've got the best record currently it has a goal conceded but again early in the season so we'll have to see sort of long term how that holds up um yeah no i think i'd be very curious as well because i think they're it's my knowledge i think they also quite rely on their fullbacks uh quite significantly in terms of their sort of build-up play uh, so it'd be just be interesting to see how that pans out given that we are sort of equally um as sort of reliant on our own fullbacks uh, in terms of the scoreline, I, I reckon there'll be actually a few more goals in this, to be honest. And I reckon it could be a potentially closer game. Um, I'm going to go with a 3-2. Two goals oh, from wow. uh, the big man, Jota. Maybe a cheeky one from Salah. Can, <laughs> I, can I just say that um, if we don't walk away from this with a win, I'm I'm a bit worried. Um, mm. It's it's the, the away fixture is, is going to be... Uh, a more difficult affair and uh, uh, when you've also got Atletico Madrid in the group it's you know if we don't walk away with, from this with a win not to you know put a, a, a dark cloud over everything I just there's this there's this gut feeling inside of me that's like you know that, that we might struggle here um, and so I think we just need to sort of get a, a winning start just to, to push on from there to give us something to like some momentum to move forward into the more tougher matches to come. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like you say, going to the San Siro is not a small task for anybody. Um, the, the the fans will be there, and they've got they've got very passionate fans. It's going to be a, an intimidating experience. But we're we're going all four grounds in the group. I uh, like that. Uh, so there's no easy games for anybody. Like you say, if we can, it, thankfully we've got Anfield as our first game. Milan have never played there before competitively. Hopefully we can spook them a little bit. You know, it's been a while since they've played a game at this level. So maybe it'd be nice to blow them out the water. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually agree. I've got it written down here in my notes. Uh, Liverpool's scoreline would have been 3-2 is what I was going to say. Um, Milan have not came up against a team like us so far this season. We, we're going we're gonna to score goals against them. They've lost on the rumour. We're going to score goals against them. You know what I mean? They've got a top quality goalkeeper, but... They're going to be vulnerable. I do fancy them to get a couple of goals themselves, like Farrell. Um, I think I agree with both of you in that it's pretty much probably just going to be plug Henderson into the team, play what is arguably our strongest three in midfield, and crack on. Um, but I've got a sneaky suspicion that Gomez might get the nod. I don't know why. I don't know what's telling me that. I don't know whether it's just I'm worried about Matip, thinking that I just want to wrap him in bubble wrap. I want to make sure he's okay. But um, yeah, I've got a sneaky suspicion Gomez might get the nod, but 
yeah, um, that's all this week. Um, hopefully, we are celebrating uh, a nice win next time we all speak. But um, thank you for listening. And, of course, thank you to uh, Farrell and Rick for joining me. And um, we'll speak to you next week.